0: The reading is taken from Matthew, chapter 13, verses 31 to 35, the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, So that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So it was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. This is the word of the Lord.
1: So our reading today that we've we've just heard uh, came from the early days of Jesus' ministry when he was uh, um, instructing his disciples and and talking to uh, small groups of, of, of people. And he was telling the assembled crowd what God's kingdom uh, is like. You know, these days, if you want to come and settle in this country, you have to sit a citizenship test. I've read about it. I've never actually met anybody who's had to do it. But what Jesus was was telling the, the people that he was talking to, he was telling them what it was like to be part of his kingdom, if they wanted to uh, to be a member of it. And two weeks ago, Debbie told us what it was, what we how we should behave in God's kingdom, uh, and she used the Beatitudes in chapter five of Matthew's Gospel to to illustrate that. And then David uh, last week talked about what, what God is like to us when we're in God's kingdom we read that we must not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? If we're in God's kingdom, he's there for us. He, he will look after us if we trust him. So, Jesus sent his disciples out to visit the towns and the villages to spread his teaching about God's kingdom, telling them what they could expect and how they should behave. And he told them that it would grow and grow because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And we are his workers. We are his disciples of today. And when we see the evil that's around us in the world, we see it every day, don't we, on television, in the newspapers, there's surely no better time for us to be going out into the harvest field to actively spread the good news of God's kingdom. So after Jesus had instructed his disciples, he went out himself to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee using parables to tell the crowds who came to hear him. And today's reading was one of those. Uh, Before Christmas, uh, we heard how Isaiah's prophets were reflected in Jesus' preaching and and teaching. And today's parable, and it might be worth just uh, grabbing your Bibles if you would, you remember the uh, the was it British Telecom advert or Yellow Pages or something? Let your fingers do the walking. We're going to do some some uh, some walking through the Bible uh, today. Uh, today's parable is on page 980. If you'd like to follow it, and Jesus tells us in verse 15 that his use of parables was foretold by another old-time prophet, and he says, "I will open my mouth in parables." I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And those words come from Psalm 78. And you can see those words in verse 2. And the psalm is headed a maskil a of Asaph. Now, you might not have heard of Asaph. I know Asaph quite well because his name has been used to to name a district of Cardiff, a district called Saint Asaph. And on Friday, Wendy and I will be going through Saint Asaph to watch Wales beat England at rugby. (laughs) So what is a maskil? It's probably a literary or a musical term. We don't know exactly. But who was this Asaph? And in verse 1, he describes himself as a teacher. Well, that doesn't tell us very much, does it? Who was he? We know about Isaiah, when he gets uh, referred to by, by Jesus, but who was Asaph? And why would Jesus want to quote him? Well, Asaph first appears in the first book of Chronicles. And these were the historic records of God's people from Adam through to Abraham. And again, if you want to Turn to page 419, that's chapter 15. Verse 16 tells us that David told the leaders of the Levites, i.e., the priests, to appoint their brothers as singers to sing joyful songs accompanied by musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals. Asaph by name first appears in, gets his first mention in verse 17. And then in verse 19, we see that his job was to sound the bronze symbols with Heman and Ethan. I imagine these were big, heavy symbols, which is why they needed a, a Heman. So, that was his job, sounding the bronze symbols. But that's not all. On the next page, in verse 4, we see that some of the Levites were Appointed to minister before the Ark of the Lord to make petition, to give thanks and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. And Asaph was the chief. So he was the leader of these, probably men, these guys who were there to make music, worship and praise the Lord. Chapter 25, that's on page 4 to 8 in verses 1 and 2. It tells us that the sons of Asaph were set apart for the ministry of prophesying, accompanied by harps, lyres and cymbals. And they were under the supervision of Asaph, who prophesied under the king's supervision. So Asaph was a pretty important chap. right? He was the leader of this, uh, of this important group of, of Levites who were responsible for leading the praise and the worship to God and interceding with him. He was an important prophet. Jesus knew of him and quoted his words in Psalm 78, which we heard again in this morning's reading. So Jesus uses parables to explain what he wants of his kingdom people. Although it's not always easy to understand their meaning, although the parables today, I think, are easier than most for us to understand. Today we heard about the tiny mustard seed that grows into a big plant, up to 12 to 15 feet tall, with a stout central trunk and strong branches, stout enough for the the birds to perch on. And it bears little yellow flowers, and the tiny seeds that we've heard about today and here's a picture of a little tiny mustard seed and you can see it's really tiny in a man's hand. Smaller than any of the other seeds that I'm not familiar with as a gardener, but really small and unimpressive. An but it has enormous potential. Out of that little seed can, get, can come this relatively large bush. And here we have a picture of such a mustard bush or tree and growth is slow day by day we wouldn't see any change in its in its size but over a year or two the growth would be far more impressive and a plant 12 or more feet tall um, and 6 feet wide would come from that tiny seed and so Jesus uses this as an example of how God's kingdom will grow worldwide and also shows how it can grow in each one of us starting from a tiny seed through we hope to something that's very much more impressive now remember that the Jews were expecting a saviour who was coming to free them from the oppression of the Roman authorities the the, the Roman conquerors and Jesus wants them to see that their way was not God's way he came as a, a tiny baby growing up as a carpenter's son. He stepped meekly onto the scene, just gathering a few people around him and talking to some small groups. And then crowds came to listen to him. From that tiny baby came these great crowds and his kingdom started to grow as more people put their trust in him. After Jesus' death and resurrection, just a few disciples were left to spread the truth of God's kingdom. They were like that tiny seed. They were insignificant compared to the the world's population. But just like that mustard seed, they were full of mighty potential and hidden power because they had God's Holy Spirit on them. And as the disciples travelled and taught, more and more people believed. The worldwide kingdom grew and grew. And just as the mustard plant produces more seeds for planting the disciples made more disciples and the disciples of those disciples made more disciples so just as the mustard seed grows tall and wide so the kingdom of god grew in every direction from that tiny beginning and of course god's kingdom continues to grow today but that will only continue as long as we join that band of disciples and spread God's word. In the book of Colossians, Peter says, all over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. So that's how it is for us. When we put our trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. When the mustard seed is planted in the ground, no one can see it from the outside. But it's there. And at first a new believer might not feel very different. But the spirit is powerful. It has the power to transform a person just as a seed has the power to produce a large plant. And the full-grown plant produces good things. It makes branches that that the birds can rest on. It makes seeds that are good to eat, if you like mustard, and are good for making more plants. And similarly, the Holy Spirit produces good things in each believer. The spiritual fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit, we, we know the list from, uh, from the Bible, it includes love and joy and peace and kindness and patience and so on. And brings gifts with it, forgiveness and healing and righteousness and so on many others but with us like the plant growth is sometimes slow perhaps little change will be seen overnight but after a while the influence of the holy spirit in our lives will have a powerful effect and great changes will be evident our beliefs and our attitudes and our actions will no longer be ruled by our own thoughts and feelings we will be ruled by the holy spirit And the mustard bush or tree becomes a haven for birds to perch in its branches. And let's hope that this church, as it grows, will also be a haven for those who need somewhere to to perch and take rest and feel secure. Some of you will remember Dennis Shepherd, who was a CPA, CPAS evangelist, who, who was a friend of this church, and came here regularly, unfortunately died uh, one weekend after, after being here. Although that isn't linked, I don't think. Uh, but Dennis was uh, a lovely man. And I guess this church was quite early in, in, in grasping the concept, concept of Christingle. And he hadn't heard of the term. He was here to, to preach at a Christingle service, And and he put on his, uh, he stood in the pulpit and he put on his his East London accent and said, you know, he said, I like this word, Christingle, because Jesus makes me tingle. (laughs) And and thinking about mustard and the Holy Spirit, I think uh, the Holy Spirit is very much like mustard, because because it, it, it gives us a, a warm glow if we, uh, if we take him on board. Jesus, as we heard, he follows the, the mustard seed with another parable that had a similar meaning. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. When a small amount of, uh, of yeast is, is mixed with dough and they are kneaded together, the yeast converts carbohydrates to carbon dioxide and alcohols by fermentation and I have to say I never thought that my chemical engineering background would be useful in a sermon but there we are even that comes in useful but this CO2 reaction has been used for thousands of years to make bread rise and also to produce alcohol to keep men happy but these bubbles of carbon dioxide they make the bread light and fluffy, rather than flat and firm. Unleavened bread, like pita bread or chapattis. And it only takes a very small amount of yeast to puff up a large amount of dough. And so this parable about the yeast is very much like that of the mustard seed, demonstrating that sometimes things that start start out small can have a huge impact, far in excess of their own size. When you think about it, the, the use of Jesus' use of yeast as an example was quite strange because it was regarded as unclean and a symbol of evil and sin in the Judaic culture. Housewives had to purge their houses of of, of anything that contained yeast because of this symbolic uh, representation of evil and sin, and that's why in that part of the world yeast is not used in bread making. Bread is unleavened. But you, Jesus uses yeast as an example for positive transformation, as a picture of his growing kingdom. Another example of his topsy-turvy way of thinking, that his way of thinking, God's way of thinking, is not our way of thinking. We might not be able to see growth in the kingdom every day but it is growing both in the world and I hope in each one of us. God will finish what he started. He planted a small seed many years ago and it will continue to grow into a large and a mighty kingdom. This is what Paul wrote to his friends in Philippi. I am confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And let's pray that is true in each of us, as well as in our church, in this country, and indeed in the world. Let's close with a prayer. Father, we praise and thank you for the hope that we have in you. You've shown us that your mighty kingdom can and will grow on this earth, And we are proud and thankful to be part of it. We are your disciples and we pledge that we will play our parts in passing on your good news to those around us. So that your kingdom will grow and grow until you come again. This is our prayer, Father. In Christ's name. Amen.